0: The Monday Mindset
1: Podcast, where we share things of interest to us, and hopefully to you. So
0: let's get started with episode number 51.
1: And today it's Daisy's turn to share something with us. Deezy, what do you have?
0: Well, Terry, this week, I'm back with one of my favorite podcasts that I've used a lot so far in our recordings, and that's Rongan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More. It's episode number 173, and it's called The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It with Dr. Ethan Cross and this is one of those episodes that's going to have some overlap with some of the things we've been talking about recently it's also one of those episodes you know when you stumble across something that has been something you've been struggling with or just something we've had this conversation before something that sort of comes along at the right time that you needed to listen to it well it's it's one of those episodes Dr. Ethan Cross is a psychologist who studies internal dialogue and how to control and harness the power of it rather than letting it run away into negative chatter. And this is what he calls the negative self-talk is chatter. And that's the name of his book, Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It. So I also went and had a listen to the blinkist shortened version of the book to get a bit more information from that it was one of those you know this is another conversation we've had where we find a podcast really interesting and the book sounds interesting and we go off and buy the book and listen to the book and spend however many eight ten hours listening to the book and we say to each other at the end of it "Mm, actually all this alien information was in that podcast (laughs) But the, the things that they discussed in the podcast, it felt like there was an awful lot that they didn't talk about that you would have to go and listen to the book. So that's the reason I went to see if it was in the Blinkist collection and it was. So I got a bit more information from there. So his focus is the inner voice why do we have this introspection? What is its purpose? And he talks about we as humans develop this inner voice to evaluate the past and prepare for the future. It's actually very useful, has a very beneficial purpose. When it's working for us, it helps us problem solve, innovate, be creative and shape our identity. But there's a negative side, and this is what he calls chatter, where we worry, we ruminate, and we tend to uh, catastrophize. We're built to handle stress very effectively from an evolutionary point of view, but not chronic stress. This is something we've mentioned so many times. And he says this chatter can be very damaging physically and emotionally by being a constant stressor on our system. And we focus in more and more on a problem, maintaining a stress response that can end up being very damaging to us physically and emotionally. And he makes the point that his work is not about trying to turn this chatter off, but rather harnessing it and channeling it towards all the positive things it can do and steer away from the negative things it has a tendency to do as well. He talked about how we can only hold so much information at once and too much chatter slows your mind down and drains it of the energy it needs to function optimally. This made me think about our recent episode about the pruning of the trees, the mental mindscape trees. It says it can also get in the way of social relationships. It's natural for us to want to vent Negative thoughts and feelings that we have, but too much venting and negative talk has a tendency to push people away. So this endless chatter going on in your mind can end up being very consuming, but then also isolating and painful. So how to subdue this chatter so that your brain can channel energy into the important, more productive stuff? The main strategy that he talks about to deal with this is to create distance. Since we tend to narrow our focus with negative self-talk, we focus in more and more, like I said already, on the problem going over and over it, we tend to ruminate on it. But what we need to do is zoom out a bit and create some distance to get a better perspective. In the podcast, he talked about one technique called distance self-talk. And in the Blinkist summaries, they talked about two that are kind of similar, but uh, a little bit different, a fly on the wall perspective and this distance self-talk. So the fly on the wall perspective is a technique where you picture a negative experience that's happened to you in your mind but you do so as another person in the room and the idea uh, behind this is creating this distance and that you emerge from this imagining with a bit more clarity about the problem and that it lowers stress and you're more likely to look for solutions and compromise from a more objective perspective. And the distance self-talk is, again, it's creating this little bit of distance by addressing yourself as if you're someone else. So you're moving from what he calls I talk to this distance self-talk. I talk, he says, is a bit closely linked to uh, negative thought spirals. Um, But with this more distance self-talk, you use your own name or third party pronouns or the universal you. It says it's often automatic actually in stressful situations to switch to talking to yourself. So if there's something you're trying to get yourself to do, we often switch into this either you know come on Daisy you can do this or come on you can do this if you're not you know if you don't go to that step of actually addressing yourself by your name funnily enough I uh, when I recorded uh, an intro to keto woman I realized when I was editing when I was listening to this podcast that I did that I switched to the universal you So we we often do these things automatically, just create this little bit of distance. I guess something in our mind realizes it helps. And what we tend to do when we create this bit of distance is reframe something that is a threat or failure into a challenge. And that takes you from a very shut down inward looking closing down state into something that's um, much more open and has that potential to be uh, productive and forward thinking. So that's something you can do yourself. He did talk about how it's probably a good idea especially if you're using your own name to do that silently in your head he says it kind of goes against um, social norms a bit and they did use a few examples where if you're referring to yourself like that out loud people can sort of give you slightly strange looks so (laughs) he said it's better to have that that kind of uh, distant self-talk in your own mind Um, but it talked about the importance refer going back to this this need to vent this need to talk about our feelings and our problems with um, somebody else. it says this is you know this is a good thing, um, but when you 're in pain, you tend to focus on uh, the desire for empathy over perspective, and the people we go to for help often go along with this and there 's a term for this apparently called co rumination and there 's a danger in and you 've talked about this um several times there 's a danger in reliving negative experiences too much, and I can see how you could just get into this. Endless uh, rumination cycle and going over and over it with somebody who's, who's trying to help you. But if the focus is too much on empathy rather than perspective, it can actually be problematic. So he's saying the trick is you need to find somebody who can help guide you towards a solution. And it's, it's quite a difficult balance for that person. Uh, they talked about going to somebody who had the right balance but also talking to the right people for the right kind of advice and as somebody who's in the position of being the person who's listening is saying again it's this getting this it's a, it's a difficult balance but what you're trying to do is encourage self efficacy. So he's saying, be really wary about rushing in with offering solutions. The trick is, and you're very, very good at this, Terry, is trying to steer somebody towards finding their own solutions. And I could tell from the way they were discussing this, that it's actually a a real skill to be able to get that balance right. Another way we can help reduce this chatter or redirect it was to put yourself in a position of a feeling of awe. So for the most part, they talked about the easiest way to do this is to walk in nature, exposure to green spaces and things like that. But they also talked about, you know, it's not just nature, it can be music or anything that you get, uh, you know, pleasure looking at, it distracts you. And they uh, talked about, there are two types of attention, voluntary attention that needs willpower to engage it. Um, Like, you know, doing a crossword puzzle, for example, and it costs you energy. And then there's involuntary attention. And this is when something draws you in. So that's something like nature. I mean, I've I've found this, you know, this feeling of awe when I've been walking around the new environment in and it's like, wow, look at that architecture. Look at that magnificent church, the sea, the seagulls, the, you know, it's that kind of thing where you can probably imagine it right now just think about something like that that you like looking at you can see how you get drawn into it and it distracts you it takes you out of yourself it creates this distance and this helps you recharge and it refreshes your attention span and when you're in these moments of distraction Looking at these things around you that fill you with awe enables your voluntary attention levels to recharge. So gets you ready for when you need that voluntary um, type of attention. And it also reduces this chatter in your head. And the other way you can get outside of yourself using this, your external environment is order. When you put your attention into creating order in your environment, again, it's a bit of a distraction from this chatter in your head, but the order helps you feel like maybe you can achieve your goals. And they talk about different sports personalities who all have their rituals and how often that is to um, quiet and the negative chatter that's going on in their mind about, uh, you know, negative chatter about their performance. Um, so they have these rituals that just help distract them, help just quieten down this chatter a bit and allows them to, to just do their thing. The other one little thing that, that kind of relates to that is the power of the placebo effect. And they talk about, um, objects imbued with power. If you believe something uh, will make you feel better, it probably will and placebos can relieve physical and emotional symptoms why he says because the brain loves prediction and so you can set up these rituals your attention gets pulled away from the problem or the anxiety this chatter gets um, reduced with a sense of order and quite often um, it also involves connection with other people. Quite often, rituals are part of a group activity. So to sum up, really, it's just about this chatter, this negative um, self-talk, and that the best way to uh, reduce it is by creating distance, either by reframing your thoughts or changing your environment. And I'm sure there are uh, a lot more suggestions in the book, but I thought the tips that they did offer, I certainly thought they sounded like they'd be quite helpful.
1: Absolutely. I was just thinking of another thing I used to encourage clients to do when they started going down that rabbit hole of, but what if this and what if that? And again, I I would assume that would be considered this chatter that he's talking about. And I used to tell people, look, you can play the what if game twice. You can say what if and What if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then you're done. You can't keep going down that. So a different way maybe to distance it or stop it, but to stop engaging that chatter, quit circling around with it because it's not getting anywhere productive. So I would be curious to learn his other distancing strategies, but I think even things like that can help. Go down the path once or twice, and then you have to stop. Mm -hmm. You have to get away from it.
0: Yes. And I like the ideas, which I didn't really talk about that sort of follow on from it. But it's something you've talked about before. And we've mentioned in other podcasts about creating that distance, stepping back and changing your perspective, looking at yourself as if you were somebody else. And they refer to this in the podcast talking about how often it's so much, and I find this absolutely true, it's so much easier to offer other people advice, to help other people to listen to what they're saying, and hopefully help steer them towards something, you know, a more productive way out of it. I think it might have been the episode, the recent episode we did with um, Susan David and Brene Brown. And it's a well-known idea, isn't it? When you get involved in that negative self-talk, if you can step back and imagine that you're giving yourself advice as somebody else, you know, a good friend or your sister or whoever it is that you go to for advice and, you know, talk to yourself as if you were that person. I think it can often be easier said than done, but it's something maybe that if you practice a bit, it can help.
1: That reminds me a lot of, when I've been struggling with things, you know, my history as a therapist, people would say, okay, Terry, if you had a client sitting with you saying this, how would you help them work through it? And just to help me get some distance from it. Like you're saying, it's it's easier to see how you might imagine someone else handling a situation, but when you're in it, you know, harder to see that sometimes. And so, just taking that different perspective. How would you help advise someone to deal with this or to manage this topic if it weren't you doing it? And I think that can be a great way of distancing.
0: And I guess even if you you can't manage to, you know, create exactly that sort of setup in your mind, if you can't completely distance yourself from, you know, in that fantasy scenario, yes, this is my best friend giving myself advice at least it takes you, at least it creates a bit of distance, Mm -hmm. even if you can't get all the way there.
1: You know, the example you shared, Daisy, when you have kind of heard yourself saying, okay, Daisy, you can do it. Or, you know, just maybe if you don't use your name, but I use that a lot, a concept of what I call the inner self coach. Mm. And I think that's what that coach would say. They're sitting there next to you in the driver's seat, helping you navigate. And they would say, okay, you've got this. You can do this. What do you need now? What's the next thing you need to do? They just keep you going. They help you see that you have the resources. But the fact that it's coming from within ourselves that we do that self-coaching, I think is a a great way to break up the chatter.
0: Yeah. And it's just encouraging this self-efficacy that, yeah, like you say, you have got the answers inside yourself. You've just got to pull them out. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Which is hard to do if you've got too much of this chatter going on. So (laughs) focusing on what would my self-coach say right now?
0: And they talk about how no one technique is going to work for everybody. And it's a case of trying different things and creating your own special blend that works for you. And I think it's often the case that sometimes the key is just finding something that is the way in finding something that is kind of throwing the spanner in the work. So you've got that endless cycle, that churning round and round and round, and it feels like it's never gonna stop. And you need something that's gonna throw the spanner in and just slow it down for a bit. And once you've stopped it spinning round and round, it's then maybe easier to do other things. So for example, you, know, you can set up a rule that you're going to go out for more walks or something you're going to do something that's relatively easy to do that might just throw the spanner in the works and then when you're out doing that and you've distracted your mind it's amazing what sort of things come to you Mm -hmm. I mean I find that I have to take my dogs for a walk and you know sometimes even you know if it's pouring with rain or something and I don't feel like doing it but once you do it and you just the routine the ritual takes you out of yourself a bit. And it's amazing, actually, how different thoughts start working their way into your head. Absolutely. So that might be, and I think for me personally, I think that might be the way in, that might be the spanner that's the best one to throw in to get things turning the other way. Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's all about finding what works for you and finding a blend that is going to be optimal for you.
1: Yeah. I think the important thing is to recognize that you need that thing. You need something to interrupt this Mm. because we're so generally driven to keep that chatter going, even though we know that it's not productive. We expect that eventually it's going to become productive and it's going to help us find the answer. Mm. Well, I have some things I need to think about with this episode and working on the chatter. And I think Something that I'm working on for our next episode ties right in with this.
0: So funny how that happens, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, there's certainly um, a lot in there. And anyone who's been listening to us recently will realize straight away how much um, that episode resonated with me. So I think the steps I'm going to be taking are the ones that are relatively easy to do and, and is just to get out there a bit more and put myself in that position of awe that i know is all around me and is so easy to access it's just the case of stepping outside my front door and, and walking around a bit and distracting myself so that's what i'm going to be doing
1: nice well i hope everyone has a great week i hope you have a great week daisy and we will be here again next week
0: and you too terry have a wonderful week
1: everybody